All right, people, we're finally pretty much almost done with April. We're about to get into May. Summer season is about to start. And I was looking over my slate for what I had uh, for tonight. And I'm like, I don't really care about any of those things. I don't really want to talk about any of those things. So I decided to change it up. We're doing a summer preview we're going to go over all of the different things that we're plan that we're looking forward to for this upcoming summer and i am joined by the other half i've had kristen on so many times and i finally realized i'm like wait a minute i haven't i, I haven't had the other half of the mnk productions podcast on I'm at mac of mac movie reviews happy to have you back on it has been quite a while since we've had you on solo cast how you been man dude it's it's uh, like been like god like almost three years now since you had me on when we did the star wars like doing the fates script oh my god. Long, but was that the last time that was the last time jesus christ <laughs> all right well no, this is well this is, i i think we need to rethink the phrase making up for lost time because i did not realize jesus christ that makes it almost three all right let, let, let me get this into a roll before i get myself into more trouble this is the 2023 talking tv summer preview yes <laughs> All right, we haven't gotten a chance to do one of these in a while. You know, we used to do these all the time, me and Chris, during the pandemic, where we just have, like, kind of, like, a, a mid-content week. So we would just be like, hey, you want to just talk about, like, you know, some movie news, some industry stuff? And he'd be like, sure. And, well, you know, I don't really have Chris on that much anymore. But that's fine. That That's what my guests are for now. I've got Mac of Mac Movie Reviews on tonight. Mac, what's going on? Happy to have you back, man. Yeah, I'm really excited when you messaged me. I was just like, I usually don't get – I get a lot of messages from, like, kind of just random people and stuff like that. When you send me messages, I'm like – Oh, what's up? And he talked about it. He's like, hey, you want to come on? I said, yeah, sure. My uh, my weekend's pretty free. I got nothing to do. So I said, boom. I mean, I just bought Hogwarts Legacy, but I I need to take a break on it. I'm in too much. Yeah, I was about to say, it, it's funny. Like, video game releases are always weird. Like, I never really quite know how to cover them on the podcast because I'm not quite a gamer. And so I feel like it doesn't really. I mean, they, they're all kind of everything media wise is kind of interchangeable at this point. But yeah. I, I never really know how to like. Fit, fit that into the slate you know i i know chris had, was trying to during during covid chris was trying to like experiment around and talk about like some more games some more game related content that didn't exactly go through but it's always weird with game releases because i'm always like i i feel like it, it, it's the, the releases it's like everyone is always hyping up the like, like i remember when elden ring the new elden ring was coming out last year and everyone was hyping up that release and then when it finally came out, everyone was like, it like vanished from the ethos. And I'm like, is, is, is video games like, are, are those like even more <laughs> weird than streaming drops? Because it's the same thing with TV and streaming where it's like, you're super pumped for it. But unless it's like an HBO where you're like, or like a Disney Plus, where you're like getting hyped for that, the new episode every week. It, it, it It's up until the release date. And then it's like cleared out, ready for the next thing. I would say with video games, it's more like it's just the initial hype of getting it into the console and playing it. And like with the TV or movie drops on streaming services, it's more of a sustained push because it's either weekly releases or it's bi-weekly. But with the video game, like example, like uh, Cyberpunk 2077, that got hyped up and then it released and then it was terrible. And then, you know, Hogwarts Legacy, it came out. It's a little popular on the buzz trends on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. And after a while, it's done. And then this is usually the next game that comes out. So it's like a cycle. So yeah, it's like, I mean, and I mean... Hogwarts Legacy had that had the extra IP push behind it as well, you know. Yeah. Obviously, uh, I, I think if, if memory serves, that kind of coincided with the announcement of the Harry Potter TV show that HBO Max had greenlit as well. And yep. uh, you had, yeah, you had uh, 
what's it called, you know, more more J.K. Rowling controversy in the news <laughs> as well. Uh, more stuff about, uh, you know, what, what other scenes from the books that would be included. So so I, I believe that that was a, a, in line as well. That kind of ties in with what we're here to talk about tonight. Like I said, this is more going to be a news-centered podcast as well. We're going to talk about some of the TV that we've been watching recently. We're going to talk about CinemaCon and the unbelievable amount of stuff that came out of there, of particularly a lot of stuff about the flash. We got the first teaser for the Witcher season three, or as a, what, what, what was, what was the, what was the term that you used to describe? Just give the, give the talking TV audience, all of our zero viewers that I li- little hint as far as what's to come for that. Uh, shitter season three. Yep. Sounds about right. That... The, the latest instance of, of, of them, of, of, of the IP fantasy based uh, streamers, just completely screwing over the, the, the incredible source material that is based off of. And then at the end of the show, we're going to get, I'm going to give a little preview as far as what our summer slate is going to look like, because Mac, we, we got a market for the first time in three years since COVID. We actually have a full summer movie slate starting in May and going through mid August. The first time since 2019, you know, 2020 was the year of no movies. 2021, we had like a few releases that we were excited for. And then like none of them hit 2022 top gun was like, just came and blew everything else out of the water. Like, oh man, like we just talk about that for a second. Just like movies, but, you know, we always talk about, like, oh, are movies back? Are they not back? Whatever, whatever. And, and that actually ties into what I actually want to use to kick off this conversation. So one of the things that came out of CinemaCon, I listened to this podcast called um, The Town, which is part of the Ringer Podcast Network, which I'm an immense fan of. And out of CinemaCon, there came this survey about uh, what what are the most popular movie stars, right, mm-hmm. that will still get people to, like, like, who do people want to see in movies in a theater? And, dude... I think the average age of the movie star list is like 57 and a half or something that like that. That doesn't surprise me. Like, it's all the old guys. You know, it's, again, it's, it's all the traditionals. Cruz, Will Smith, DiCaprio, De Niro, The Rock, uh, Tom Hanks, all of these guys. And, the, and like I said, all of these guys have been like big name movie stars for the last like 20, 30, 40 years. But all these dudes are old. And you just look at like the stance of like celebrity and what that even means now in the 21st century, the digital age. Like who is the who are the closest ones that we have to movie stars now? You know, like the Tom Hollands, the Zendayas, the Florence Pugh's, the Timothy Chalamet's. Like I see you're laughing even thinking about it. It's the thing is just like with the the DiCaprio's, the Smith's, the. You know, cruises, those are recognized, proven names that they can be in any movie they can do, and it'll put butts in seats. Like like you mentioned before, Top Gun Maverick, that put butts in seats because not only is it Top, t- top Gun, it's Tom Cruise. Like, tell right. me, you're going to tell me that Miles Teller is going to, well, I like Miles Teller. Miles Teller is not right. going to sell out the seat. And, like, people our age, like, there's, like, the, you have the Forrest Pews, you have the Tom Hollands, you have the Daisy Ridley's, the John Boyega's, and these are all incredibly talented actors and actresses, but the problem is just that they're not recognizable as like main leading roles like i'll tom holland's gonna be the outlier here because i'm gonna use an example with tom holland he's got spider-man he's locked down for spider-man for years to come in like um years to go and but the problem is is that when he tries to branch out and i think he's a very tremendous actor because i like the devil all the time that was a very interesting movie cherry was good uncharted was absolute dog shit but 
it's when he there's kind of a way when you bring him into a movie you can sell him on that that's why the uncharted made movie make that made that much money but with someone like a uh, florence Pugh, like i mean were you really gonna run to the theater to go see her don't worry darling or even harry styles so well, it's more well that, that had the harry styles and all the behind yeah. the drama of that that came out of that but it's interesting that you bring that up because that kind of ties into like what it is so number one it's the fact that what you were mentioning about first with the old stars right the mm. old stars i think the biggest difference between what they had coming up because like i said they, they weren't always no keep in mind obviously you know a, a lot of these stars quote unquote that we're saying they're still relatively young you know they're all like still coming up you know tom holland is what 26 27 florence Pugh, same age chalamet i think is just turning 28 you know mm -hmm. zendaya 27 all the all these guys are like just like started to like hit where they would hit their apex you know like that's the other thing that people got to consider is that like a lot of these stars were like not super young like if, if memory serves i believe that pacino was like about to be 30 when he hit Godfather, you know, just as a recent example. Same with Cruz. Cruz broke out in, like, the early to mid-80s when he was, like, right about to turn 20. But, like, that yeah. was kind of the outlier. So, but I think the biggest difference, I was listening to this podcast, and the biggest difference, I think, is that um, the 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 brand, right? So, they, they were hitting at a time, right, when the marketing of Hollywood was around the movie star. They were trying, the agents were trying to set these, the, these guys up as brands themselves, you know? So, mm -hmm. it's not... Leonardo DiCaprio, the actor, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, the brand. It's Tobey Maguire, the brand. It's Tom Cruise, the brand, you know? And obviously, throughout the last, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, roughly 20 if you want to round up, you've had a significant change. Where obviously, you know, with, uh, what's, what's it called? With more shifts towards IP, franchise-driven franchise fare, as well as streaming. So now, the shift in focus has gone to the IPs. Now, the recognition is it's not the movie star, the brand. It's whatever popular IP it is. The last 10, 15 years has been Marvel. You know, your Marvels, your DCs, your Star Wars, your Jurassic Park. Now we're getting into more video game IP. Basically, it's like whatever the IP is, that's what's selling it. It's funny because I, I, I hate to give Anthony Mackie credit, you know, tying into that Falcon and the Winter Soldier <laughs> meme that everyone loves. But Anthony Mackie called it like 10, 15, like whatever that, that interview was where he's like, yeah, stars used to sell movies. Now IP sells movies because the sad truth of the matter is you're right. Tom Holland is widely recognized as Spider-Man. But the but um outside of Spider-Man, like 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 the the point is you're not going to watch people are not going to watch those movies because of Tom Holland. They're going to watch those movies because it's Spider-Man selling it. And as a mm. result, that obviously would lead into the trickle-down effect of the other movies. I think that's that's I think that's part of the reason why Chalamet is having such a hard time catching on because Chalamet is following the old school model of trying to build up his own brand outside of superheroes because he's following the DiCaprio advice, which is no drugs and no superhero movies. Yeah, and, look at him. He's doing Dune Part 2 this year, and a lot of people right. watched Dune last year. And, Dune and he's was also like, got Wonka coming out Wa as well. Yeah, like, Shall like you're right. Chalamet does have that old school mentality with respect to him. And I'm like, with him, there's still time for him to break out, but I think he's really going to hit that art house feeling to it. And if the superhero movies kind of die out and, and then the mainstream takes over with these original movies, then I think he's going to have a, a new place as, like, maybe the new face of the next generation because he's actually a very tremendous actor. And it's just, like, the fact that he doesn't get enough love and he's not really catching on yet, it's kind of, like, kind of disconcerting, but I wouldn't, like, pull my hair out and worry about well, it yet. This leads to the other slight issue that you see with the younger stars who like i said are not in the big ip driven roles i mean you're just seeing this right now because just today i think it was said that paul mescal who's another kind of up-and-coming star on the younger side i think he's another one that falls like right into that age bracket as well you know oh. been pretty well considered the last couple of years you know his hulu show normal people he just got an his first ever oscar nomination for last year's after sun 
Uh, he's, he's set to appear in the next couple of years in uh, in, in the uh, upcoming Gladiator 2 alongside that. Barry Keegan and Denzel Washington. And just today it was announced that he's being considered for the Human Torch. And it's like, so yeah. So 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 the, the, the problem is, is that the it's again, in a weird way, it's kind of the same reason, the same issue that you've been seeing over the last couple of years with up and coming star directors, which is where like, which is where again, they release like a couple of interesting movies and then they get swallowed up by the machine. And the problem is that with the direction that the industry has gone in the last 15 years, just as far as right, what is it that agents always tell their clients? They always are trying to avoid risk. They're always trying to make as much money for them and their clients as possible. And right now, the sad, unfortunate truth is that original ideas are too big of a risk because very rarely do they catch on now because of the direction that things are given. And the problem is that audiences are also partially to blame for this as well because as yes. much as audiences are complaining and criticizing all the big franchises, and complaining and stating that they want quote-unquote original ideas, their dollars are saying something completely different because they are still only the only things that are that are getting them out of their houses are um, are the big franchises. And compounded as well is the most recent thing with COVID, which is now the fact that because COVID has made streaming so much more accessible for movies and because the demand to go and experience the movies out in the theater has gone down so far, it's like theaters are really really struggling so you so it's again it's in a weird way it's nothing that we haven't already been talking about with this constant battle back and forth between what it is the consumers actually want what is the best way to access it's almost like this constant battle between like what I, what I've said the last couple of years preserving the um preserving the specialty of what movie making and what cinema quote unquote is versus mm -hmm. kind of turning it like I said into what Tarantino calls it just more disposable television and that is kind of this this weird overlap in a weird strange way I I know that this was did absolutely was absolutely horrendous for Hollywood but just in terms of like still capturing like the essence of like what makes movies special I still think that 2021 said it best where we're bear with me here for a second but okay. I I still have this thought that the reason why so many movies did like the reason why like movies were able to somewhat make a comeback coming out of COVID is because the shift and decision to drop one movie a month on HBO Max. Like, I don't know about you, but every single time, every single month when I knew there was a movie that was coming out on HBO Max, whether I was necessarily really looking forward to it, like a Godzilla vs. Kong, like a Mortal Co like a Suicide Squad, like a Dune, like a Mortal Kombat, or whether it was something that was kind of a little bit more iffy about, like an In the Heights, or like um, or, or, or like a Reminiscent, or, or, or whether it was something that I just straight up didn't care about, like Matrix or, or something like that. <laughs> At the very least, I was, like, they set that shit up like an event, and I wanted to watch that shit every single I month. And will, that's what they've been missing, to me at least, for, I will, for the last year. I will say, with the whole 2021 model that HBOMX had, they actually did a great job of, like you said, making an event. Because with me, I watched Judas and the Black Messiah, Kong, Tom and Jerry, Space Jam, Matrix. Like, every single movie that was coming out each month, it felt like, hey, I'm going to sit down on the couch, 2 a.m., I'm going to watch this new movie. And even if it was good, like uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is my favorite movie that year, or something terrible like Tom and Jerry, it was still something I would go and watch because I knew that if I didn't watch it, I can watch another day. And I think with that, once HBO Max had that model working of same-day releases as it would release in the theaters, um, Peacock did that the same year with Halloween Kills when it yeah. came out on um, – um, I, I believe Peacock. that Peacock is still pursuing some form of a similar model that because I believe that they're doing that this year as well with Exorcist. There and the um, Five Minutes of Freddy movie too. Yes, as well. But it's just I feel like that 
it's more when that whole 2020 hit and because the first movie i saw back in theaters in 2020 was tenet and you know that was fine that wasn't oh, like yeah. the, that wasn't like the big movie to bring me back in the theaters but you know it was whatever well, the tenet thing it, 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 that one you got to take with a caveat because that they released that movie in theaters at the height of covid like yeah height of covid like nothing was in theaters like that's just the thing of where it's like yeah what, what were they think that that's still like a move that just makes me like scratch like, like at the very least the day and date drop Mm-hmm. from hbo Max, that made sense from like a from like a cultural socioeconomics all the above standpoint the tenant release i'm still scratching my head about that i love tenant i'm really really glad that i got to see that in a theater but that decision to release that in theaters in summer of 2020 still baffles me to this day and that's why christopher nolan left for uh universal. Yeah, that's why he's at universal now yeah so but again i, I think that what that's indicative of is the fact that hollywood that i feel like that was just the first sign that people become more aware of that hollywood is in the public yeah i I think that in order to kind of put a pin in that, I think that what they're missing is they're missing a way of eventizing movies, you know, because it, because in a strange way, as much as people love to talk about Top Gun and it's saving cinema, quote unquote, <laughs> Top Gun was kind of almost an accidental one because I feel like I, I feel like and this is going to lead into our summer slate discussion at the end of the episode. I feel like what they've been missing for these last couple of months is really eventizing movies, you know, yeah. and it's like really emphasizing the need to like watch it when it comes out and another thing that factors into that too is the fact of the release the, the window between when movies get released in theaters versus when they go to streaming it's the shortest that it's ever been it's like oh my god yeah it's, it's like wrong. so at the very least like i remember back in 2019 the rule was 45 days which is what three months a month and a half something like about, that about like that's two months and some something change. like that. that that's a that's a significant amount of time now two weeks week and a half at best you know when I saw Violet Night uh, late last year at the end of the year. By, like, mid-January, it was done. It was going to be on Peacock. And then, like, something like um, Shazam was already, like, gone from the theaters. I'm just like, damn, like, there's nothing. Even Creed 3, I was like, okay, I want to go see there. It's available to rent on PlayStation and Xbox. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, there is no, like, there is too fast of just pulling the trigger and be like. Because I swear Black Adam was in on HBO Max by December. Yeah, it was. I was like, oh my god, like, now, what, what are you guys there's doing? A couple, there's a couple of other things that go into this as well, which is that you have to consider that the behind the scenes, which is that the studios are still in a lot of debt and they simply can, from COVID, and they still just can, simply cannot afford to market the movies the way that they used to. But again, it's like, uh, we're in what, month four of the year now, and I can think of, we, we've added like a decent amount of movies, and I can think of like four movies that they actually like marketed and felt like events. Only four. That's Megan, Ant-Man, which bombed, uh, John Wick 4 and Super Mario Brothers. That's it. Those are the only four. Yeah. And I'm sorry. And, and like I said, it, it also doesn't help that the quality is not there to back up. And the fact that, you know, and the fact that Bo is Afraid has been, is my most favorite movie of the year, which is like, okay, we're really in a parallel reality where I'm like supporting well, <laughs> my least favorite director, Ari Aster's latest oh. movie, which will be watched by a maximum of three people in total in theaters. Well, but. The thing you mentioned too before with the directors with the not taking risks, I feel yeah. like that stigma may change now because of a certain film that won Best Picture this year and everything everywhere all once at A twenty four. I'm hoping so. Because you know, A twenty four, I've always said that's the very that's the art house. That's the if you want to make your name or you're a new director or you have very creative minds, you don't want to be held down, you go to A twenty four or an independent studio and then you can do it like that. So I'm hoping with like that, that could be a thing because the thing with A twenty four movies that I because I want to see Beatles, I do like Ari 
director. You know, I think he is a good director, in my opinion. Um, my thing with A24 is just the fact that uh, their movies don't get marketed as well because people will look at the trailer once and be like, ah, that's too weird, and they won't see it. But it usually gets a lot of love in the, the, the streaming and video yeah. release. But I'm like, I wish A24 got more love in the theater. It's weird because A24, you always have to take with a caveat because, like I said, they, their their audience has been niche for a while. Like I said, their, their origin, they kind of got started. They were kind of the first... I think they might have even beaten Netflix to the punch on this because they, they I believe that they were movies in theaters like right before Netflix, like like right when Netflix was starting to experiment around with streaming with House of Cards, which is that they were kind of the first to hit like the whole viral sensation uh, first. And that's kind of what they had going for them for a while. And for, and for a hot minute, that, that, that transferred well to theaters. And I feel like that capped in 2019 and then once COVID happened it's like okay now they're just playing to like bizarro niche audiences you know that they're really they'll make they'll make a majority of their money back in direct to dvd and, and streaming sales they've got their deal with showtime they've got their merchandise store and so i just feel like the days of like the auteur hit a24 movie is gone now because they release like over i think like 20 to 30 movies a year now and yeah. like what five of them hit if that you know so that that that's always a weird discussion but the everything everywhere all at once thing i feel like speaks more so to kind of the, the, the Oscars and we we always the Oscars are so weird you know because we know that the Oscars of like the, the, it sucks because the Oscars we I feel like again they, they don't honor movies that like regular people watch anymore because regular people again they don't watch original stories so it, it does kind of all tie together but I feel like that's whenever you talk about the Oscars it sucks because I feel like you have to like separate that conversation from what it is because again I, I rattle off like all 10 best picture nominees to people this year and if it's not Avatar or Top Gun everyone's like what like what's the <laughs> movies like, at like, least at least I've seen like at least Elvis, five maybe because like that's yeah. a recognizable icon. But yeah, I've seen like five of the movies of the Best Picture. The other ones I'm trying to. Catch I mean, I always on. go out of my way to try and watch it, but I will admit it is it has become significantly more difficult in the last couple of years. So that is going to wrap up that initial discussion. So like I said, uh, like I said, we had CinemaCon this past weekend. We had a bunch of trailers, that, you know, come out progressively. I have written down you know some trailers for Next Goal Wins. Uh, they uh, what's it called? They also released current stills for Oppenheimer, which that new trailer will be released soon. Dune Part Two, Wicked. We got some stills looking at uh, you know, we we got a. Uh, a back shot of, of Austin Butler as Fade Routha. They shaved his head. They haven't shown his face yet, but I'm like, man, I, I cannot <laughs> freaking wait. Uh, real quick, I wanted to get your thoughts. What are, what are your thoughts on the fact that they're doing Wicked as a movie now? You know, do you, do you have any attachments to that? Uh, listen, the only Broadway play I've seen in my life is Anything Goes, and that was almost like 13 years ago. But, like, I mean, out of all the Broadway plays – to bring to the movies, I, I guess Wicked would be it because Wicked is very recognizable. But once again, that's more of like how many Broadway people who are fans of Wicked is going to be like, I need to drop everything yeah. and go see that movie. But you're forgetting one thing. I think you're forgetting one thing. And and like I said, it, it goes into, it ties into our movie star discussion at the, at the top of this episode, which is again that Ariana Grande oh, is the true. star of this movie as Galinda or Glinda. And it'll be very interesting because like I said, the, 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 the whole pop stars as movie stars translation I don't think has gone as well as Hollywood would have hoped considering that Harry Styles has headlined a couple movies now and none of them have really been, been good, huge yeah. hits which surprised even me per se but it didn't I, surprise me he's not 
as a leading man, he does not work. He needs at least some more skills. Him as like a supporting or even cameo, like in the uh, in the Eternals or Dunkirk, is better. Him as a leading man, it just can't work. Yeah. So, so that's the that's the only caveat that I'll throw in there. Also, this I was not aware of is that this movie is actually being released in two parts. The first of which will be released in December of 2024, and the other of which will be released in 2025. Which I've already made my thoughts clear. I think splitting movies up into multiple parts is effing stupid. I'm like, if you're gonna do a sequel, just do a sequel. Stop splitting. <laughs> up into multiple parts that shit pisses me off i'm like guess what i uh, like i don't care if the full movie of dune would have been four and a half hours long i don't care i, I would have watched it mark scorsese's killers of the flower thank Moon you three the, hours the, the and 42 Snyder minutes God. yeah i, I yeah. don't want to hear i'm sick and tired of people complaining about mo movies line because guess what avatar 2 made a billion dollars and people will still sit and binge an entire season so the so pe people's are people's um, complaints about lengths of stuff is is irrelevant to me. So yeah. that, that always annoys me. So, but there's there's two big thing. There's two big things that I wanted to talk about before we got into probably what was the. I I, I again I, I will still say the sense of the most uh the the, the most false hype. Let 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 us call it, which are <laughs> two trailers. So did you get a chance to watch this Hunger Games trailer? The Hunger Games song for Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes trailer, whatever it's called. Yes, um, I did. Real quick, what are your what are you just your what are your thoughts on the Hunger Games franchise in general? And like, do you have any excitement going into this? So my experience with the Hunger Games is just kind of excitement. It's more like I remember I didn't really care for it because I like in middle school I hated all the YA shit. Yeah. But um, when I got older, it was on TV and I watched it and I enjoyed the first one for just kind of being like this nice slow pace kind of, and then it picks up with the battle royale scene, battle royale scene with the Hunger Games. Hey, it may part. as well be. Yeah, I mean, Hunger Games pretty did rip off battle royale. So like, we're, we're, but it's just nothing that people aren't aware of. But I like that one. The first one is probably my favorite. The second one, Catching Fire, I mean, it was okay. And my favorite part is when her dress caught on fire. I was like, oh, that's the name of the title. Um, the splitting of the third part, I hate in the um, the See? trilogy See? movies. is the splitting See? up the, like, just give me the give Bro, me more movies. Every, I love Harry Potter, but, like, in hindsight, the, so many, the amount of fucking movies they did, the, like, Twilight, Hunger Games, Divergent, before part two just got canceled because it bombed. Infinity War and Endgame were almost going to be Infinity War parts one and two before they shifted that. Like, they just annoyed and it, 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 the outcome of that has been so negative that has even made me reflect to go back and be like yeah definitely hell is part two not as good not as good as i remember it's if not you, i'm sorry it, it would have been it, because it's just the third act it would have been so much better if it had just been one movie if you do part one and part two the problem is is that if there's a lot of time between part one and part two that's gonna have people realize like man maybe part two isn't gonna be good or it has so much um expectations for it that's why a lot of people say infinity war is better than endgame because it was a whole year and don't forget Zack Snyder's justice league was gonna be two parts before that got canceled they got meshed together the two movies but hunger games uh like i said um, catching third one was okay. Um, having this be a prequel, I'm kind of sick of whenever they want to dust off an IP that hasn't had any shelf life. They're like, all right, prequel time. This takes place 64 years before the events, which yeah. is like, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, the, and the, like, the, the young President Snow. I'm like, I, I, I believe this is based off of an ancillary novel that the author wrote. But like I said, I just, I, I, I can't say I'm a huge fan of the Hunger Games franchise. I've only seen the first one. I know that that's the one that kind of boosted Jennifer Lawrence to start up, but unfortunately, it also kind of cap. I feel like that the problem is that again, it's another instance of you know recent modern movie startup where Jennifer Lawrence, who was again at one point the biggest movie star on the planet, which is kind of a foreign concept considering that like the only movie she's got coming out this year is a goofy comedy. You know, yeah, let's when, try to have sex with an eighteen-year-old kid. When, that's the yeah, comedy. When, when she was in a Best Picture nominee two years ago. 
as as the second lead, you know, like say, that, that that's that's depressing to say the least. But but I'm, I'm not like I mean like am I gonna go and see this? I mean maybe like if I'm bored or if my girlfriend like she kind of likes Hunger Games, I might go see it with her. But my problem is just the fact that like it's not Hunger Games isn't as big as it was when right. I was because last Hunger Games movie came out was she when I, I came out. Freshman year of high school, and I think by that time everyone was moving on to Maze Runner. Yeah, that, so, was, that was freshman. Yeah, that was fresh. I, ironically, yeah, that that was for the. I believe that was our freshman year of college. Was last Hunger Games, and <laughs> I think strangely enough, I think that the the final Maze Runner was only like a few years after. So yeah, that, that so yeah, you're right. And Maze Runner, thank God they didn't do that stupid splitting it up into two parts. They at least finished that up as a full trilogy. Yeah, I I think what's so interesting is how everything is kind of tying into our initial discussion because I don't think I've ever seen a more strange mix of movie stars quote-unquote with ip where you have hunger games which again not that big of an ip but a recognizable enough ip you know it was a yeah. pretty it was a pretty successful movie franchise mixed with again it's like rachel zegler who's been in a couple things recently you know west side stories just in the most recent shazam peter dinklage obviously recognized her game of thrones viola davis um yep. Couple other big name stars in there who I am currently forgetting that I am about to <laughs> totally cheat on. I, See, this, this, this I, is uh, this is the state of movie movie stardom. Well, Hunter Schaefer uh, from Euphoria is set to star in it. Um, yeah, so there, there are some people that are going to be in this movie for sure. Well, the but, thing is, yeah. thing is too is just like, are you banking? So it's like another thing is like the nostalgia. So you like you wait a certain amount of time before you dust off the IP. But yeah. I'm like, is the nostalgia there for Hunger Games? Do I, right. I don't yeah, see anyone. What's so weird about it? Is I, I don't like, see anyone who like all oh, nostalgic about Hunger Games. It's only like, been ten years since it was <laughs> eleven years since the first movie debuted. Like they're like, man, I could really go for a prequel on Hunger Games. I want to know how right. Snow came to power. Not, not like, to mention no. the fact I think that Hunger Games, if if memory serves, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Hunger Games is like the last franchise that like was banked on the movie star because like out like. How yeah. many like book fans of the Hungry were there? Like that movie, like really struck gold with Jennifer Lawrence. And, like, mm -hmm. I feel like still when people think of Hunger Games, they think of Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence so when yeah. they see this movie and they're like, the fuck is Tyrion from Game of Thrones doing here? And all these <laughs> other people, like, what? And, and, like, and, and you know how people do with prequels. I still have flashbacks. I haven't explained to Rogue to people about Star Wars, you know, that Rogue One was not a sequel to Force Awakens, that it was a, it was prequel. a prequel. But in between the prequel, it's like, oh my God. Just like, the, <laughs> it brings up the whole prequel discussion and it's it gives me a headache. But. Uh, all right, so moving on from Hunger Games. You want to talk about Flash? You want to talk about Shitter? Shitter, as you should say. We'll save Shitter for last. Let's, let's talk about Flash. All right, let's talk about, let's talk about the Flash. So, uh, what's it called? I believe I don't remember if they showed a new trailer. They showed a couple minutes of it at CinemaCon. But, again, people are... It's weird because, like, we, we all know the status that DC is in. DC is, like, pretty much just burying all of their movies until, uh, because, again, Superman. They, they, I, well, because the problem is they fucked up. They fucked up when they announced, and again, in their latest announcement <laughs> line of, of fuck ups, when they announced the James Gunn thing, and they basically said, and James Gunn basically said that he was starting over from scratch, and, you know, new Superman, new Batman, all that, but, 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 the issue is they're like, well, crap, like, what do we do with it? We still have four movie DC movies still on the docking, you know, like, so they've obviously clearly put all their chips into this flash basket. You know, the flash is clearly going to be flashpoint, which is something that people have been predicting for years. This movie's been in production hell since 2018 when it was officially yep. announced. They have a, you know, you have the production hell, then COVID. And then on top of that, all the Ezra Miller baggage. And yet somehow DC's had the amazing foresight to state that Ezra is, is, is still good to continue to potentially continue on into the gun verse. And naturally, everybody is going nuts about this. They're saying, oh, my God, The Flash, it's sensational. It's amazing. 
I don't know. Are we gearing up for another like weird like DC like famous bomb, or do you think there might actually be some legitimacy? Because like I said, so far the only thing of DCs that I've enjoyed the last couple of years are like I said, Gun Suicide Squad and Matt Reeves Batman, which of course is not canonical to any of this previous shit that we've had. So yeah, I wanted to hear know what your thoughts were on that. So the whole thing with the gun thing is just when he was announced, like I'm a big fan of that. I feel like he's gonna definitely gonna bring something new to the DC and everything with the whole gods and monsters doing a more period of the comics that has to get talked about. The problem is it's just like if you're gonna start over from the Snyderverse and the Hamadaverse, you need to either be like, okay, we just just take everything we have and just just don't do it or we just do one and then we go from that because everyone thought black adam was going to be the one they start off from that didn't do well everyone thought shazam was going to do well didn't do well and then now with flash and it being the big reset you have more problems with it because blue beetle comes out and then aquaman and with the test screens for aquaman 2 i don't hear any good things about that with anything nope, in there not a so, single thing so and the fact that they didn't cut Amber Heard from the movie like they thought like I thought they had originally. No, nope, like, so, so it's the question of if so there's either one or two scenarios that's gonna happen. If the Flash is successful, do you keep Ezra Miller and then just go off of that and have it do a big reset because you still have Ben Affleck's Batman in the movie, which wasn't cut from the the right. thing. Which and was, apparently he's also gonna be an Aquaman too now too. So yeah, Aquaman so is really just milking Affleck for all that they can when or, these movies have literally almost destroyed him physically. Or if it bombs, do you just say, okay, this is just the last remnants and then nothing's canon until we get to Superman Legacy. So that's the big right. problem they have. But I think this may be turning into, it will probably be another one of the DC like fans go after Rotten Tomato people because they'll probably have like a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it has a 100% audience score because DC and Rotten Tomatoes have never gotten along at all. And it's just the fact that like, I wanted to do good because I, you said it was in production since 2018. I think it was in production since 2014, 2015. It might've been before that. I, I don't remember specifically. It was Phil Lord and Chris Miller back in 2014 said they were writing the movie, but then they changed hand to Andy Muschietti. Uh, Muschietti oh, no, but see, it, remember, you're forgetting somebody in between. You're forgetting. Originally, it, because this was, like, in the immediate post-vicinity when they had, like, their original slate, like, going off of Justly when it was going to be, like, Cyborg, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Flash all getting their own movies, is uh -huh. that it was originally going to be Rick Famuyiwa. Was oh be yeah, like, Disney scooped him up for Mandalorian, and then he walked away and was like, "Yeah, sorry, that that was just miserable." Try to work on that, and then like I said, and then I, I want to say that Andy Muschietti was announced in like 2018, 2019. About and that, yeah. Then COVID happened and pushed it even further, and then the Ezra stuff happened and that pushed it even further. So, so people, I know with the whole Ezra thing, everyone's like, "Oh, just cancel the Flash, like you're canceling Batgirl and all that and stuff like that." Yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell this right here. A, Batgirl, I don't think that was going to do good anyway. Because I'm no. looking at that movie and it's like, people are like, oh, it could be good. I'm like, no, that, the suit looked terrible. The only reason I saw that movie is because Brendan Fraser's Firefly would have been awesome. But the problem is, is that DC obviously has a lot of money riding on The Flash. And I think just to scrap it like that, they'd probably be at yeah. a bad net loss. Yeah, so the, the, thing the fact that they've already pretty much just, again, Shazam is a bomb. They're already expecting probably Blue Beetle to be a bomb. They're opening that in August. Uh, Aquaman, they're already writing off as a bomb, which is really disappointing because I'm sorry. Sorry, the fact that Aquaman and Wonka are going to be the two Christmas <laughs> movies this year is fucking embarrassing. Like, compared but to Avatar 2 last year. I'm excited for Flash. I mean, hey, Tom Cruise watched it early, and he called Andy and said, like, dude, this is what we need. So, And then the early reviews were it, but, you know, this could be a good movie. But I, I have, I'm optimistically, I'm, I'm optimistically, 
cautiously, cautiously uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that this will be good because let's I get face you, it, I get DC has a bad check record with this when they release a good trailer and the movie's trash. Batman v Superman. Um, oh, oh, see, I knew that was going to be trash. Yeah, the minute that trailer, um, came out. The, minute Suic- the trailer gave us the whole no, movie. In, no, like, two minutes. The, f- the second trailer, I was like, okay, Doomsday got revealed. Maybe it'll still be good. No, Suicide Squad. That marketing was perfect. I was so I excited agree. for it. I agree. And I'm like, oh no, and this then, movie sucks. So much so that they trusted the movie to the marketing guys, and that yeah. was the result. And then so it's like it's that problem of like their trailers always look good, but then the actual product we're getting, we're like, oh my god. So the Flash. It's going to be cautious, but I have a good feeling because if they actually just... Because, you know, people are not going to see it for Ezra Miller. They're going to see it for Michael Keaton. Of course. Just because yeah, that, so that, many... That, that, that's the big hype. Yeah, it's Michael It's Michael Keaton. And, like, so here's the thing, right? So, and I wanted to get your take on this. So, apparently Michael Keaton is a lot more valued of a star than I originally previously anticipated because I personally have never understood why people, like, have this, like, adoration for Michael Keaton. Like, I've just never understood it because to me, the Burton movies, and I know this is highly subjective, but the Burton movies to me, quality-wise, have just, they've never had to me the appeal of what the Bale movies have. Like, the, to me, the, the the gold standard of when you think of Batman are the Bale Nolan movies, you know? But, like, apparently, like, so so people, like, the, a lot of, Keaton really is the gold standard, I guess, right? Yeah, because I, I would say that with the with the Burton movies, I will say over time they maybe not have aged well. But you gotta think about it from like the 1989 perspective. At that time, the only Batman experience that they had was, was Adam, Adam West's West. camp. Yeah. But seeing something in a neo gothic type, and then having someone from Mister for Mister Mom as Batman play like this Batman right. type character was really cool. And like Michael Keaton is a very tremendous actor because he has the face of like I don't give a shit, but he actually does give a shit. And it's just perfect acting for him in the part yeah. because even him as Vulture in um Spider Man, he was oh, a really God. good yeah, villain. Yeah. Arguably the again, arguably the most impressive part about that. What I still think is a horrifically overrated movie, <laughs> the MCU canon. But no, I agree with you. My only here's where my trepidation comes in for where this is going to go. Number one, the fact that, like I said, it is Flashpoint. Like everybody knew that it was going to, but they're making some changes. They're not adapting Flashpoint entirely. We're not having the Atlantean Amazonian War where there's is it going to be all this horrific violence that involves you know we're we're not going to like I said we are getting a different Batman. We are we, we, what they're doing is they're shifting it. We're getting and a, a different version of Batman, Michael Keaton. We're not getting uh, Thomas Wayne. Wayne as Batman, which again, I, I still miss the version where we could have gotten Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne in a live. That was action. the rumor. When that it was that, that would have been absolutely amazing if we could have gotten that. And it's so sad that we didn't get that. Um, the other instance is that, and this is where I feel really weird, is that rather than doing, rather than having the Amazon Atlantean War be the backdrop of Flashpoint, instead they're just doing Man of Steel again. But this time with Supergirl instead of Superman. That's where I feel weird because for the because other than that, I think the trailers for the most part have been surprisingly good. I think the action, even though it is a little bit CG heavy for my for my taste, mm-hmm. the action is it seems like it's going to be pretty compelling. But at the same time, like I said, the fact that they're just kind of redoing Man of Steel, it feels like they're taking shots at both Snyder and Cavill. Who again? We'll get into Cavill when we talk about The Witcher. It's like I don't know. There's some part about that that just makes me feel like really weird. And well, like you now, know, on top of everything else. That well, now with the DC movies, they do have Peter Saffron as producer now, and I know him and James Gunn. They are like the new heads of the DC universe. I wouldn't be so. And you know how much shit James Gunn has kind of talked about the old DC higher ups and say, yeah, like, that's true. yeah, my thing. So I wouldn't be surprised he's if still promoting the Flash. He has been. I will say he has been. He has been promoting I, the Flash heavily. I think he has to because if he did it, he's going to come off like an asshole. But like, like but he hasn't been promoting the other stuff though. That's the thing. 
So he he, he probably has a faith under the fat Flash is going to be his starting point. We go because if you think about it, remember Supergirl was going to have a movie, but they canceled that too. Right. But I don't know. It's just like right. they. I do feel like they're like, yeah, screw you, Cavill. You sucked as Superman. And, hey, Snyder, you suck. Your which, movie which vision is sucked. disappointing because like Snyder's stuff in hindsight, like I'm still not a fan of BVS, but like I rewatched Man of Steel last year and that movie kicks ass. Cavill's awesome. I, I think the Cavill is just completely just, you know, his portrayal of everything has been misunderstood. And like I said, it, it really sucks because, again, we're, we're going to talk about The Witcher next, is that Cavill is just that dude that just loves this shit so much and just wants to get it right. Mm-hmm. And all he does is just get screwed over by every single studio that just wants to, again, quote-unquote, insert their message and and not, and, and just, again, make another shameless product and that brings us into the trailer for The Witcher season three. Another, th- another thing that Cavill is walking away from because they just they can't get it right. Again, he is he is such a huge fan of The Witcher. He man is The Witcher. Work, this man is he the... put in his time. He played the games. He read the books. He was correcting them on The Witcher lore behind the scenes, and he was so unimpressed with this new source material that he is walking away, and they are recasting him with. The discount Hemsworth with with with, with Lee. they they couldn't even get the one from Westworld who I think people know now more than the other one who ironically was also in the Hunger Games. Every in all time, <laughs> Liam Hemsworth is replacing him, and so we got the trailer that their Netflix is trying their best to hype this up as like the big summer event that Stranger Things was last year, where they're doing another thing. They're splitting it up. They're releasing the first five episodes at the end of June, and then they're releasing the the last three at the end of July. Mac. Here's your 10 minutes to rant on this thing. Go. So I am, I love Switcher. Uh, during quarantine, I played uh, Witcher 1, 2, and I grinded the hell out of 3. Um, I've been listening, um, the past couple of years, I've been listening to audiobooks of the Witcher series. So I love Witcher. So when Henry Cavill was announced as Geralt for the show, I was scared because A, it's Netflix, and B, Henry Cavill. He's a very good actor, but at the time, I just really felt like I he wasn't giving me like the good Superman vibes until I watched him in Mission Impossible. I said, "Okay, you have some acting chops." And then Hamish Gerard. It's not a purpose. The Witcher isn't perfect, but it's really, really good. If you want to look at it as like kind of like a Middle Ages type show, it's kind of like a TV version of the Lord of the Rings, but much more violent and a lot more lore to it. And The Witcher, like him as Gerald, had to be the best part of the show because this man was giving it 110% of his all. This man was going like. Everything, every interview you watch with him, he would always geek out. And you know, these cast members were like, Well, we let him because they know because he knows what he's talking about. Like, he actually, like, he's about this life. Like, he, dude, the fact that you go viral for building your own PC during 2020 should tell you everything you know about him. Like, this man bleeds the gamer life, he bleeds the nerd culture. So, like, so when it was announced that he was leaving, and then they tried to set before they said leaving because he said they weren't following source material, they tried to slander him. They said that he was toxic masculinity just because he was correcting them on their lore because him and the head writer, I forgot the head writer's name, but she's kind of a jackass herself. Um, she was oh, like, oh, oh, oh not, and not at all somebody that's trying to insert, quote, uh, insert an agenda. Into yeah, exactly. Traditionalist, uh, and, another traditionally male skewing uh, IP. 
when they said, oh, he was very toxic, like, look at Henry Cavill. That is not, like, that man is freaking chill. I would see him as toxic. I would see him as someone, he may come off as sometimes, if he's correcting you, he could be, say, in a way that you could take offense to that. It's just you get mad because someone who actually knows the source material is just saying, hey, maybe we should do some that, and you get butthurt because you want to do your vision, and it's like, whatever. It's like, okay, we're going to replace someone with um The Witcher, th um, the season three, we're going to get uh, Liam Hemsworth, which everyone loves and such, right? Like, yeah. there's been, name who one. Who is so desperate for a job he will literally do anything even though like, he is Thor's actual brother he's like they, he really is like the Loki in real life to Thor I'm sorry I don't know why I'm taking so many shots at Liam Hemsworth right Liam, now no but like name one Liam Hemsworth movie that's actually is it good sad that I could name like two but none of them are good what were the movies well so uh, besides the Hunger Games I remember that he was the star of this little movie that I saw for my 16th birthday it is a movie that absolutely nobody has seen and absolutely nobody should see because it is one of the worst movies I've ever seen ironically because it was unfortunately also the movie where I was introduced to Amber Heard it is a thriller called Paranoia. Oh, oh I know that movie! I know that movie! Yeah, okay. In which Liam Hemsworth finds himself as the subject of corporate espionage between his old boss, Gary Oldman, and, and Harrison Ford. And in this new company called Harrison Ford. For what? Who the hell knows? I just remember being just being like, okay, that, that, that yeah. was a movie that I saw. Yeah. There was a part in that movie when he was running on the security cameras and he ran like the most, like the weirdest one I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like, wow, Liam. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you were so lucky your last name's Hemsworth. Otherwise, yeah. but as soon as he gets and past- I think that was also like at the height when he was like dating Miley Cyrus too. Yes. So. Um, but it was at the point where like, when he was announced as the replacement for Henry Cavill, everyone said, well, I'm not watching Witcher because this is so, so stupid. And I was like, I'm going to just see. Maybe this won't be as bad as it is, even though like pretty much the heart of the show is gone. And this trailer, holy cow. I got, I did not the, like the Rings of Power, and this gave me very bad Rings of Power flashbacks. And the fact that it got dislike bombed on YouTube brings a very, very special place in my heart. And knowing that this will probably not do well critically, um, this will probably be the last season of the and I'm happy with that because uh, they screwed over Henry Cavill really big because he was someone who actually wanted to try to make something uh, authentic and faithful to the source material, unlike uh, Cowboy Bebop or uh, Death Note with Netflix's, uh, and now they're doing tremendously oh, yeah. with One Piece. Yeah, that's I was about to like, yeah, they're doing One Piece. Well, One Piece, like, yeah. That, that's the two things that these, so what, basically what you're saying is that what these streamers need to do is they need to stay away from fantasy and they need to stay away from anime because it just sucks because like I said, well, the, the Witcher is the latest in a long stream of of shows and, and the witcher granted is not at all putting in the money that amazon has been putting into shows like wheel of time like lord of the rings where like wow with the amount of money that they are putting into these freaking shows why are these things not these things by all rights should be fucking incredible and wheel of time bored me to tears i couldn't even get past the fourth episode the, the the lord of the Rings show i watched every episode and i'm uh -huh. realizing now that the reason why i did is because it was one of those um i i forgot what the, the term to describe it but it was one of those things where it was it was mimicking the essence of the jackson movies you know with like with like the score and the visual look and, and you know and, and the mapping and everything but in reality it is just like it, it, it's just it's garbage it, it's complete and absolute garbage that that is kind of silly and nonsensical and changes and mess around, messes around with the source material in ways that it doesn't need to and while i am not as familiar with the wheel of time and witcher origin uh source material as i am with the lord of the rings stuff it's still like i understand kind of why all these fantasy fans are pissed off because this is not like um something like comic books which have changed tremendously in the relatively is, short compared to you know when some of these other stuff like these are like hardcore adaptations that have like a lot of interesting and core built stories to build from that these 
that these streamers are just blatantly messing around with. And it, what, what also frustrates me to no end is their constant need to feel like they need to intercept messages in there so that they can mess around with, you know, different time eras that are perceived as traditionally uh, toxic masculine so that they can, like, I don't know, make it more accessible to other people. I'm like, yeah, but here's the problem with that mindset that the demographic that you're trying to hate, we're going to watch this shit anyway because exactly. they didn't care about it in the first place. So this, It's the problem with, like, when you do a adaption of something, it's more of, like, you bring the people in who don't know anything about the source material. They just say, hey, here's an IP. Make your own story and only use elements, a.k.a. Uh, Halo. When they're like, yeah, no, we, we, we didn't even read the – we read the book, so we're just going to make our own story. But, you know, screw this and that. But it's just more like with The Witcher and, like, Lord of the Rings, these are source materials that have been written since the 60s and 70s. So for you to be like, oh, yeah, let me just X this out, X this out. And then the reason why is because – you bring in people who want to make their own stories. They want to do this and that and everything. And it's just like, you guys aren't doing it. And then when people complain about it, you call them toxic incel fans. Yeah. You don't know. I was like, is that the one? That's going to be a buzzword for the it's, company. It's the, it's the same exact thing that, that Marvel has been doing, but to a more, but to, I, I think to a much more egregious example, because at the very least, Marvel to me was at the very least like, um, you know, the, the Marvel is still doing like some things good, like like they still put some effort into No Way Home and into Wakanda Forever, and clearly, you know, if any of the positive, if any of the reception coming out of Guardians of the Galaxy three is to be, is to be is to be believed, you know, at the very least with the superhero stuff, that's still more recent. But like with, with like with this fantasy stuff, it's like it's becoming unbearably obnoxious and, and, and it's becoming like really, really frustrating and annoying. And I'm kind of like beginning to understand why all these people like like I didn't understand that at first. Like my whole thing was it's like I, I started watching Wheel of Time and I'm like, this is cool, but I I just started reading. But I will say this though. I will say this is as far as me goes, hey, the, all these shitty adaptations are just making me want to go back and read all the things that they are based on because Oh I, pretty uh, much, yeah. Yeah, because I, I I'm getting into Wheel of Time. I'm I'm a big fan of this book right now. Um what's it called? I uh what's it called? I am getting into Witcher heavily. Uh, I, I probably will start reading the books of, of The Witcher as well. And I'm also getting into, a, like I said, I, I, this has certainly got me back into reading because I've, I've also, like I said, I've been reading a lot of stuff recently. I've been reading uh, I, uh, The Atlas Six. I started reading uh, Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn trilogy, which is also being adapted, which I know is part of his larger overall Cosmere, tra uh, Cosmere uh, uh, book series. So I will say that, like, as far as, like, all these shitty fantasy adaptations actually, like, getting me to read again, uh, <laughs> kudos. At least there's one good thing that came out of that. So um, so before we wrap up and get out of here, I wanted to break down Mac. Like I said, we, we've been hyping it up. Like I said, I feel like we were kind of misleading people a little bit as far as that goes. But we are finally, finally, we have a summer movie slate Let's to go. break it down. Oh, man. It's like I've been waiting for a real summer, and not even just a real summer slate, a slate of movies that people are, for the most part, actually going to watch. Because, yes. and, 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 like I said, we even got some little bit of inserts, because the other remarkable thing about this summer is that this, uh, this is the first time, the first time in, I want to say, four years, I believe, since 2019's Good Boys, where we have some comedies, that's right, comedies, wow. going to 
theaters. It is a momentous occasion. So like I said, people, we will be breaking these down week by week. I also think that I'm going to introduce a new segment as well where we start tracking the box office and we start ranking and seeing which one of these movies does the best by box office totals. So we're kicking it off with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is opening up this weekend. I think that as far as anticipation levels go, this has like been at the top of the list for me. I've been waiting for this movie for a long time. I've been hyping it up since the trailer came out back in December. I, I, this movie is going to be emotional. This movie is going to be intense. This is going to be this is going to be our Marvel hard header. I, I was I was going to say like with the Guardians of the Galaxy three, I'm actually am kind of curious about it. But I think in another way too that Marvel needs to see this is kind of like their Hail Mary for Phase yeah. Five because like you mentioned before, um, Ant Man did not do good at all and. Um, this is like they're and considering this is James Gunn's last Marvel movie he's doing, this is they need this to do well to get any excitement. Because let's face it, no one gives a shit about the Marvels. If you say you're excited about the Marvels, no, you're no, lying. Absolutely not. And like I said, it's the it's it's the fact that like I said, they, they, Marvel had a very what, what Considering the fact that 2022, they were expected to have a big comeback with a series of um with a series of returning faces after a primarily original slate in 2021 coming out of COVID. Um, mm -hmm. but like I said, the fact that Multiverse of Madness, Love and Thunder, and uh, Wakanda Forever did not at all do the numbers that they were hoping or expecting to do. Uh, they they really need Guardians 3 to be a hit. But just based off of the overwhelmingly positive reactions that have come out of the premiere, and that I I, I think that this movie is going to do very well. Then two weeks after that, you have Fast X. Fast and Furious. Part one. Part, part one. one. That's right. They, they, are, they are not announcing this, but this is part one. Listen, all I know is you get the trailer. You get Jason Momoa cracking lines. You get Don, you get Vin Diesel driving a car down the Hoover Dam. You have wrecking balls. I don't care. I don't care how stupid these movies are. I, I cannot wait. Every time I'm you have a Fast so and Furious movie in the trailer, I am sick so of these movies, <laughs> man. I love Fast and Furious. So I'm so sick of it. I'm just sick of nine. I'm like. Put him in space. Actually, no, put them in space. The they problem they, with they, F they, they overshot that. What's the next level? So they, they didn't jump the shark. They jumped the rocket ship. Like there are no limits to where these my, movies won't go. My problem with these movies now is that they're running out of plot lines because they're just going back into other movies. Like the last one was the the uh, with nine. It was like, oh, you had a brother that we didn't know about. He was gone for all eight movies, and then this one, it was Jason Momoa's character was in Fast Five, and he got hit when they're like, that is, you're stretching at this point, like. Because either Jason Momoa is going to be the villain for the next two movies, or he's going to go to their side like John Cena did. Like, it's oh just my so God. dumb. If Jason Momoa joins the family, I'm going to die laughing. And, and Brie Larson did this one, too, which I'm like, I, I still don't know how I feel about that. Well, but, you know who she's playing, right? Well, she's playing Kurt Russell's daughter, which I'm so like, So that's, ah, the, funny, that's, that's the funniest because, part. Yeah, it's just because Kurt Russell just didn't want to, was tired of being in these movies, which yeah, is I'm so done. disappointing. Because he, was, he was consistently the best part for, like, two oh, movies yeah. straight. So that was kind of disappointing there. Then what are we getting after? This is probably the only one that I know for fact i'm not watching the theaters because like i said i'm still on my anti-disney live action remake train, <laughs> which is of course the little mermaid which of course is the latest instance of disney trying to race bait its fans and being like hi if you don't come and see our black little mermaid you are a racist and i'm like no i'm no not gonna go and watch this because first of all you cast melissa mccarthy as ursula hard no i also refuse to watch anything that melissa mccarthy is in also the <laughs> fact that b it, it, it it's like i'm sorry but after the the 2019 debacle of Dumbo, little mermaid of, of Dumbo, Aladdin, and Lion King. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not watching any one of your shitty movies. Also, Mac, please tell me. Please tell me that you did not watch that straight to Disney Plus Pinocchio live action one with with, with Tom Hanks. And I, I, I put live action in, in the hardest of quotes that I possibly can. We had to for the podcast, but I, I was like, I'm so... The Little Mermaid, I just, you know the sad part. This is going to make money because Disney people are just... 
Just well, uh, well, well like, it, it is Memorial Day, and, and Memorial Day has historically been a weird uh, box office weekend. Like I said, Top Gun, I think, is the biggest Memorial Day opening in the, in the last couple of years. I feel like the two biggest and most memorable Memorial Day releases for me in recent memory, it was Fast and Furious 6 in 2013 and then X-Men Days of Future Past in 2014. But I remember that X-Men Apocalypse, which Same opened— well, well, yeah, that, that, that was kind of a misfire. Uh, the, like I said, Memorial Day is not— a short fire movie hit. That weekend is always kind of a hit or miss one. So I'll be interested to see how that one does tracking wise. Then we get into June. And this one again, we just, we got a murderer's row here. June 2nd, across the Spider-Verse. Cannot fucking wait. Oh my if this God, is yes. anything quality wise like the first one, just based off the massive amount of voice talent, the crazy amount of animation. And then, like I said, if it's anything quality wise like the first one, can't wait. That's a also fire part hit. one too. Part, part one. one as well. Yep. Although, they're, they're, but, they're, but they're not really, though, because this one is across the Spider-Verse, and the next one is going to be Escape the Spider-Verse. They only, that Lord Miller learned, that Lord Miller that actually know what they're doing. Now, this is an interesting one. This is a very interesting one. We Weekend 2 of June, June 9th, Transformers Rise of the Beast, where they are officially, this will be the first live-action Transformers to incorporate the Maximals, which, like I said, are kind of the second wave of Transformers that came out after the original G1 line series in the 80s, in which you have the descendants that, that occupied the, the much, uh, what's it called, the, the very fa heavily fan-favored Beast Wars series, which sees the descendants of the Autobots and, Pred and Decepticons, the Maximals and the Predacons, who, rather than cha transforming into cars and trucks and, and, <laughs> and other vehicles, transform into animals instead. You know, you will have a merging of these two. Do you think that this is going to help the movie at all or no? I think I feel like people are still a little bit kind of burned out on Transformers IP from those Michael Bay movies, despite the fact that I am one of the biggest fans of those Michael Bay movies ever. But I, I feel like Bumblebee, when that came out only a year after the last night, it's been a little bit of time since then. I don't know. Like, is there any sort of, like, luster in the air for Transformers? I'm predicting that this one is not going to do that well. Earlier view I read, and an unwatchable mess. So Ooh. this was turning out, this could be the new last night. I mean, I knew for a fact when they were bringing in the Beast Wars, I'm like, yeah, you guys are desperate to bring some. Because uh, I love Bumblebee. I, it's my favorite one um, next to the 2007 original movie. Um, I know when they were bringing in the Beast Wars, like that's this is a Hail Mary for um, Transformers and Cinema. Because if they don't go anything, um, if they don't go with... Beast Wars, if this doesn't do well, then Transformers is not going to be in the theaters for a long time because this is, they have not been financially like plausible since the Bay movies. Like, say what you want about last night in Age of Extinction, they made bank. And yeah. it's like, if they're Those not making made a lot of if money, they're not making money in a critic score because I'm not like, maybe my dad wants to see it and we see the movies all the time together so we'll see it like that but i'm not gonna be like rush to the theater to go see beast wars and i don't think anyone like the, yeah. the hardcores will see it but like a lot of people are like and eh, nah, i'll pass yeah i agree i i, I predict that this one will unfortunately be a bomb the other unfortunate thing that comes out of this movie as well is that this is supposed to be the beginning of a neutral i do not foresee any other movies coming out of this the other thing that does not help this as well is the fact that i think that strangely enough one of netflix's most underrated and low-key like most successful things in the last couple of years have been their animated transformers efforts because i don't know if you if you got a chance to watch the anime based uh transformers war for cybertron three-part series that they put out but those were an absolute, i did I yeah did. those were phenomenal some of the best transformers stuff that i've seen recently and they're planning on releasing a original transformers entirely animated prequel that will explore the origins of uh of cybertron which will star and, and bear with this, Chris Hemsworth as Optimus Prime, Brian Tyree Henry as Megatron, and Scarlett Johansson as Alita, along with, hold on, I, I gotta look up this cast, because this That's cast so was we 
absolutely that, ridiculous. That's Hold so on. weird because we got Peter Cullen coming back. Transformers as- 1 is what it will be called. And the other ones, so you have Keegan-Michael Key voicing Bumblebee, John Hamm as Sentinel Prime, and Lawrence Fishburne as Alpha Trion. That, okay, that, that, I can see that that cast can do a good job. Yeah, all animated, all voiceover. I'll be interested to see what the animation style is going to be. I think my, my solution, if it's animated like Arcane, it'll be golden. Uh, oh, yeah. And then one week after, we actually have a double release June 16th. We already talked about The Flash, but uh, then we also have the, the first. This is actually a momentous one as well. The first Pixar movie to be released in theaters since 2019's Toy Story 4 after their last uh, wow. so, oh, sorry, sorry. I, actually, I'm mistaken. I'm mistaken. Since 2020's Onward, Onward opened in theaters about uh, three weeks before everyone went into lockdown. So it will be the first one since 2020's Onward, which is Elemental. Uh, are you looking forward to Elemental, or it's kind of the Pixar hype train like sword since COVID, since they pretty much started dropping all their movies direct to Disney Plus? Listen, I'm in the minority who I didn't really enjoy turning red, so I thought that I, was really, I, I'm really with you. I'm with you there. I was not a fan of turning uh, red at all. This elemental just kind of looks like Inside Out in Zootopia. It's more like oh, more Zootopia. It's like oh, it's someone who doesn't fit in. So it's uh, different elements, fire and water, who trying to love. And like honestly, I told my friend at work, water looks like Osmosis Jones. So I'm going to see Pixar is stealing from DreamWorks. Give DreamWorks their royalties. Give the them back to life. I don't even think Osmosis Jones is DreamWorks. I don't. I think Osmosis Jones is an original production. I think no. Oh yeah, I don't. Hold up a sec. Osmosis Jones. Oh no, I'm beating you to it. Who's gonna beat you to it faster? Yeah, Osmosis Jones. Yeah, that's that's an original production. That's not a dream. That that's. Oh, it's Warner Brothers. It's a that's original Warner, Brothers. Warner Brothers comedy. Oh, okay, yeah, because okay. the, Far- the Farrelly brothers directed the live action segments of that movie. Oh, uh, okay. They give um give Warner Brother animation there because that. But I don't know. I'm I might watch it. If not, then I'll probably wait for it to come on Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm with you there. So my so yeah. So Elemental. I don't know. I think it looks cute. But like yeah, I, I, the the last Pixar movie that really really like blew my socks off is Soul. And like I said, Pixar. I you, you, like I still have like I still hold Pixar movies to like such a high bar that like and after a decade of disappointment for them, yeah, I just I I can't say that I'm like tremendously looking forward to this one. So we got another break, and then two weeks. After that, so because we have as Wes Anderson's Asteroid City opening one week after that, uh, which like I said, that that that's not necessarily I don't know it is, but it is is not part of the Summer Slam. I don't know. It's always Wes Anderson releases are always weird. So two weekends after that, we get into July, and this is where it gets really interesting. July first weekend of July, opening June thirtieth, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> I mean, like that so, trailer so, looks like shit. The, 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 the aging of Harrison Ford. Oh like, God! I'm like, so are we gonna have another Irish? situation on our hands where we have 80 what what is it a, what, what is it 81 82 year old harrison ford having to pull off action sequences and it, but even though it's it's cg and he looks like 30 years old like the, the 80 year old body cannot do that so like was it cg face put on like a stunt double or like what i'm going to assume it was the um uh the stunt double because listen the only reason i'm going to see that is because there's um two reasons one, I've never seen Indiana Jones in theaters before, um, because I want I wasn't alive when the other ones came out, and I was like eight when the um, two thousand eight one came out. And two, Mads Mikkelsen as a villain, I want I feel like he's gonna carry that movie because he's a very fantastic, underrated, underutilized actor. Um, but uh, James Mangold, 
he's getting a lot of projects now, so maybe he'll be good with that. But Phoebe Waller Bridge, I'm going to probably hate her in this movie. Of course, because Phoebe Waller Bridge is another is another one that's turned herself into Hollywood poison, which is disappointing because I've heard that that uh, that 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 that, that flea bag is actually really really good. So I don't know what happened. Yeah, uncredited mm. rewrites. Yeah, which means that I know exactly what's gonna happen. They're they're gonna do more. They're they're gonna do time travel in this one, which I'm like okay because we didn't learn our lesson from the last one with aliens when when everybody wrote, like universally hated that. The, my prediction for this one is that it will make some money in theaters because of the Indiana Jones IP. It is a widely recognizable IP and the fact that Harrison Ford is back once again. But I, the, the review, my prediction is for this is that the reviews for this are going to be so bad that similar to how the sequel trilogy made people look back at the prequel trilogy and be like, they're going to look oh, back at Crystal Skull. They're going to look back at Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and be like, huh, maybe we were a little bit too hard on that movie. <laughs> that movie wasn't as bad as we remember. Maybe Shia LaBeouf swinging to the tree you know, with CG monkeys. Maybe honest, that wasn't that bad. And that, def okay, listen, real quick. Crystal Skull, at a time when I watched it, I hated it, but, like, as I got older, I realized it's not terrible. It's, like, I think what ruins it is, like, not Shia LaBeouf, like, him as Indy's son, you know, that was a little dumb and stuff like that because you could have Ki-Hu Kwan as, like, Indy adopting him or something, but the whole, like... The fact you're using Nazis again as the villain, you know, we're kind of like we're old to that point and stuff like that. And then the whole like alien thing, I mean, that works for the universe of uh, Indiana Jones, but it was just dumb because Indy just stood there like, uh, he he was he felt very old. Like that was like when we saw okay, Harrison Ford's really up there in age, but like this one, you can really tell like, oh my god, like and the, he said this is his last one. What is the fact that like, if this movie sucks? His legacy as Indiana Jones will be tainted because he's going to be in two movies that are considered garbage. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's so tragic. It, it's just it's beyond tragic. But uh, so uh, I was like, oh, thanks, Nevin, for tuning in. That's, that's my coworker, Nevin, tuning in. Hey, Nevin. That, 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 that really that really needs a lot. All right, so now we cut to it. Like I said, two, so we got Insidious: The Red Door, the fifth Insidious movie I opening up the weekend. Give after a the shit. I'm like, I don't care. Why are they still making these movies? But now we get to the big one. So two weeks after Indiana Jones, we got. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, another part. I'm done. I'm done. Part one. <laughs> part one. You're a part Dead one, baby. Dead Let's go. It's, it's impossible. They're following me around, I swear. Needless to say, I'm very much looking forward to this. I love all the Mission Impossible movies, even even the second one with the John Woo with the dumbass slow motion and the, and the hey, dogs flying this, everywhere. This movie will be interesting because this is the one that Tom Cruise had yelled at everyone and made that's everyone true, quit. That's true. That's <laughs> true. But listen, at this time, we're going to get him literally flying a motorcycle off a cliff. But listen, all I know is I, I know everybody loves Mission Impossible. I love that everybody loves him as these action movies. Like I said, I, I, I enjoy these movies. I do. My hatred of Cruise does not get in the way of my enjoyment of these movies. Again, Fallout was really, really, really it was fun. Good. Yeah. I like each and every one of these movies. I, 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 my prediction is that this movie will be no different. Will it make as much money as Top Gun did? Will it be held the way the Top Gun did? No, but it will be still be successful. Uh, with that being said, the fact that Tom Cruise is not flying a motorcycle into space, but the Fast and the Furious movies have still launched people into space. I'm sorry. I, I think I know which one wins. For me that is all that i will say there and then we have possibly one of the strangest releases <laughs> i've ever seen in my life this is how you know we were hyping this up july 21st we have the double release of christopher nolan's next movie oppenheimer yeah. which is I, I am still predicting will be the movie event of the year i think that when it comes to what will be the movie that people talk about from 20 what what will be the movie that defines 2023 my prediction is it will be this movie it will be oppenheimer i think this is going to be a gigantic success well, i think that this will be 
up there within the highest grossing movies of the year. I think that it will definitely get Nolan another Best Picture nomination. And my hope, my hope is that this could be finally the movie that gets Nolan his long-awaited, maybe not Best Director, but at the very least his Best Picture win. I'm hoping. Well, it's mention, a bold prediction, but I'm I'm going out there on a limb for it. Mention the other movie that comes out that day, and I'll give my two cents yes. on it. So <laughs> we also have the release of Greta Gerwig's Barbie, which is still right now one of the most confusing like <laughs> I've ever seen for any movie. I can't make heads or tails of this. First of all, just the origin movie, what this movie's supposed to be, where it was originally going to be like an Amy Schumer anti oh, like, like like fat positive movie but as barbie and then the, the, and then mattel was like uh no that, 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 that's not our marketing audience that we're going for and then it shifted to i believe i don't remember who got it first but i think there was like another person that it went to and now it's greta gerwig making her like that making this like her big like um uh uh uh, uh mid but mid to large budget debut you know like i said this is continuing in like a couple of lines of like auteur directors you know where you had Robert Eggers, Jordan Peele, and Ari Aster all released their third movies, each of which have have gotten progressively more of a budget, you know, with the, the Northman, Nope, and Bo is Afraid all being, like, the, the biggest budgets that those three uh, up-and-coming directors have had to work with, kind of following in the Ryan Cooler method. Um, and now you have Greta Gerwig with this with Barbie, following up with uh, Lady Bird and Little Women. And I have to say, man, I don't know what to make of this movie. I don't know, I don't know if this is going to be, like, a, a secret sleeper hit. That is just messing around with everyone with one of the most ingenious social media ca marketing campaigns ever. Or if it is just going to be like just a complete and utter tonal mess. Like I, I, I'm, I'm completely, I have no idea what to make of this so, at okay. all. Okay, I think with Barbie, I've been preaching the Barbie train when that first trailer came out. I said, this is probably going to be the one of the movies that people are going to watch just to see what it is. Because what a trailer I think should do should not give you the whole thing because it will leave you want to go to the movies. I'm thinking it could be a mixture of um fat albert of like they're in the like it's a bad comparison but hear me out so i was rumored when will ferrell was cast he plays the head of a toy company so i'm assuming when they had to sign the real world that they're gonna because they even said america ferrero's character in the poster says the real person that means that you can probably Barbie is seen as a real person. They live in this world because the, there's a lot of meta jokes with you know Margot Robbie standing on her tippy toes and Ryan Gosling's like I would say at your house tonight. He goes, "What do you want to do?" It's like I don't know, and it's just like it's fun. I think it's more like it's not going to take itself seriously, and while it's going to be faithful to, I can't believe saying Barbie as the source material, but you got to think about with this day too that this is going to be Christopher Nolan's first movie going up against his old studio because. This is his first movie since Tenet. And Tenet was the last movie he did. Right, that, that will not be done with Warner Brothers. I believe it is his first movie since... Oh, my God. Since I want to say... what? Well, well, I, I got to check with Memento and Insomnia. I don't remember. But since Batman begins at the very least, that he is not done with Warner Brothers. This will be a and, universal release opening you, up against against Barbie. If you think about it, this happened 15 years ago in July because Mamma Mia came out the same day as The Dark Knight. So you're oh, like, you're like, because okay. hmm. here's the thing, because I, I think Oppenheimer's going to be great because that's definitely going to be that's gonna be a movie for us because we're nerds and we're going to yes. see something like it's Nolan. The thing is, is like, but, well, but again, this is just a Nolan effect again. Uh, again, taking Tenet out of the equation because like I said, I'm still of the opinion Tenet was a fluke because of COVID. Dude, oh. you have a movie like Dunkirk, 
which should not at all have been as big a hit as it was in 2017. And it's one of the highest grossing movies of that summer. Like, yeah, but like, like just... Nolan has become a brand. It's, it ties in again what we were talking about at the top. Nolan has become a brand in and of itself. He is the last director that can sell big budgeted movies. On his... These movies have tremendous budgets. Like tremendous. He fucking blew up a real atom bomb. I was going to say, yeah, like... with, with Nolan, you know with his movies, there's going to be at least one thing you're like, Wow, how did he do that? Like, like we said with Tenet, man blew up an actual seven forty seven, and yeah. the fact that he's like, when he we found out what the next movie was Oppenheimer, and you look up who Oppenheimer is, he's the father of the atom bomb. You're like, is he gonna blow up an atom bomb? Like, what the hell? Like, and you're like, okay, you but don't like, know. You but really like, don't. so I don't know what Oppenheimer. That's gonna be more. That's gonna hit the general audience too, but a lot more of us people who dissect these movies and like eat it up and everything. Barbie. It's hard to say. It's programming to say the least. Like I, I that Barbie's. Here, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And, okay. th and th this is gonna make me sound like a sexist pig, but bear with me for a second because we know again that traditionally. Uh, the, the summer blockbuster slate has been male skewing, you know, or worse, like I said, when you get a case like The Little Mermaid, male skewing, but trying to disguise as being female skewing, right? Mm -hmm. Traditionally, you do not have female skewing movies. Unfortunately, the, the movies that are usually female skewing are like your rom-coms that don't open in theaters anymore, you know, or, you know, that now you have like like these female-led, like, but like, it's really weird, like, you know, your, your joy rise and your no hard feelings. Traditionally, like, male-leaning, goofy, raunchy comedies, but that just happen to have female stars. What's interesting about Barbie is that, like, Barbie to me, and this is where the Greta Gerwig, Barbie seems to really be aiming for the female demographic in a way that I feel like no big budget level movie has aimed for ever traditionally. So that's kind of what, what I'm really interested in. And I wanted to know what your thoughts on that were. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Barbie is tradition like this usually. Barbie is more made for the female demographic and stuff like that. And with the Barbie movie, the brand of Barbie, if Greta Gerwig is really going to go for this meta type joke that we're all in a joke, is that they're going to market it as Barbie. I mean, look at the promotion; everything's pink. That's Barbie and like stuff like that. So it's like having a lot of this and you know Greta Gerwig's movies. They have been a very about female empowerment. You know the Lady Bird and um, Little Women, which I enjoyed Lady Bird. And I love Little Women. I thought it was the most underrated movies of twenty. What was it? 2019, 2017 20, and twenty nineteen. And it's just the fact that like her doing this Barbie movie, I feel like she's gonna take her style and just make it just mainstream with Barbie because let's face it, possibly Barbie could be if it's. What I'm thinking is gonna be is really good. It could be nominated for some awards, and I don't that know what time. Insane. That's that the timeline. That I don't could you imagine the universe? Margot Robbie wins her Oscar for Barbie. I would lose my shit if that happens. Oppenheimer, best picture. Christopher Nolan, best director. Not Jonathan Majors for Magazine Dreams. That's not happening anymore. Sorry. Uh, Margot Robbie, Barbie, like. At and the got, very least, a nomination. That would I, I would and, lose my shit if that happens. And you gotta think about it too, because the power of the internet. How many people are gonna go see Barbie unironically? Ironically, you're gonna have a really big mixture of that. Again, because one of one of the greatest social media marketing campaigns I've ever seen. Easily the best one since Megan with her stupid TikTok dance. I would say that that, and then you know Morbius. Like you make something big just from the trend of stuff like just that. Just a meme. Yeah, and then I think with Barbie, you already see the memes of like me and the boys gonna pull up to see Barbie with like Reservoir Dogs. So you're gonna have people there ironically and unironically. Kind of like when Minions Rise of Gru when people are going there just as Minions and throwing bananas on the screen. Like if you just get people in the theater and then they actually sit down and watch it, they may actually enjoy the movie. So I think that's what Barbie's gonna go for. 
Yeah, it's going to be weird to say the least. We, we got a couple more uh, movies coming out this summer, but like I said, all, when we get to August, I love uh, August is always kind of an embarrassing month for summer movies. You know, people going on vacation, going back to school. The only big ones that we got there, the Ninja Turtles animated movie, Mutant Mayhem, which I'm like, eh, I'm not a fan of. I don't like the I, only I, thing it's got going forward is the animation style. I, I like TMNT, but my thing is the best animated TMNT movie is the 2007 TMNT movie. Which Thank they, you. They, no one Thank they, they didn't no, get a Not just the best animated, the best TMNT movie ever yeah that's yeah, right yeah i said it it's i was it, yeah i'm sorry f f you're not gonna get me with the fucking secret of the ooze go ninja go toka razar super you're, you're not getting me you're not getting me with that bullshit oh seven the animated uh, uh I, I don't remember the director's name with, with fucking uh uncle iroh as master splinter patrick stewart as the bad guy chris um, chris i was about to say um oh my god buffy the vampire slayer and fucking captain america as april o'neill and casey jones best fucking ninja with that dated ass animation best fucking ninja turtles property i mean it had the it had the best made, one of the best fight scenes between raf and leo easily, on the rooftop like that scene is very good but like I don't know, and the fact that Seth Rogen's doing it, I'm like, okay, that's random. I yeah, guess he's like, that, that, is... that doesn't give me confidence. And I, I, I'm not gonna go in against to get the the voice actors because I feel like the kids are nice people and they could probably be like the younger. Yeah, the, the only it... voice actor that I've recognized is, ironically enough, the kid from Good Boys who was also in Boardwalk Empire. I, I think he's voicing Raphael. I want to say. Wouldn't be surprised because I'm like, I had no idea what these kids are. Yeah, I don't know. But like I said, just a couple other ones that I wanted to mention. Uh, Hypnotic, the Robert Rodriguez directed uh, Ben Affleck starring one, which will open the weekend in between Guardians 3 and Fast X. Fool's Paradise, which is Charlie Day's directorial debut, also opening that weekend. No Hard Feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence starring vehicle, pun intended, which will open the same weekend as Asteroid City, June 23rd. Joyride, the all-Asian female-led movie about uh, starring Stephanie Hsu and the, and, the, and the chick who was just recently in uh, Beef on Netflix, uh, mm -hmm. who are starring, as, which centers around four Asian female uh, friends who are going to China in order to discover their uh, origins and heritage and go on wacky adventures along the way and Insidious the Red Door which opens on July 7th also uh, the Zendaya led Luca Guadagnino directed uh, tennis movie Challengers was previously set to open in August and will now be released in September in order to get closer to Oscars potentially so like I said that is it that is our summer preview like i said which like i said we're going to be breaking down at the very least every single one of those major 10 polls that you and me talked about oh also uh the a24 movie that premiered at sunday uh, talk to me the, the australian horror film that i've heard has been getting some pretty good reviews as well that will be opening up the last weekend of july so possibly like some late uh so, some late summer fanfare similar to what bullet train did uh last summer i'm, I'm hoping because that trailer was absolutely phenomenal and i cannot wait to uh watch that so uh, what's it called? With that being said, I have some Succession and Barry to get to watching, uh, mm -hmm. as well as some other TV shows. So, Mac, thank you once again for joining me. This was an absolute blast. Uh, like I said, we will be having you on for many more episodes going forward. Where can the good people follow you on the interwebs? Oh, dude, thank you so much for having me on. This is probably the funnest Sunday night I've ever had. Just probably just talking about stuff I like to talk about. But <laughs> you can find me on my Instagram at Mac Movie Reviews, and also find me on my YouTube channel at Mac Movie Reviews, same name. I'm also the co-host of the MK Productions podcast with my good friend and Mr. Mingle, aka Kristen. We got a new episode out. We talk about Scream Six. Next episode, we're gonna be going over the Mario movie. You can also find me at TikTok and Mac Movie Reviews, and my Letterbox, which is the same thing. You can find me at Mac Movie Reviews. Any social media, just find me on there. Absolutely. Like I said, you can follow me, of course, at Movie Nerd Reviews across all platforms. Be sure to follow the official Talking TV podcast across all platforms. Subscribe to us if you're watching us on YouTube. Go follow us on Twitch. This episode will be available tomorrow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of the other places where you listen to audio. And you guys know what I'm going to say. 12 seasons in a short film.
and watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next week for Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. It's summertime, baby. Finally. Thank <laughs> you.